On this week's episode of Isolated But Not Alone, we were going to begin discussing strategic theories. We were going to briefly talk about their overall connecting themes. We were going to discuss briefly MRI, which is the Mental Research Institute. We were going to discuss Jay Haley's strategic theory and then Milan Systemic. But instead, I realized that I spent the entire podcast talking about two events one in the United States and one globally, that have caused a tremendous amount of uncertainty, that have caused fear and anxiety, and I spent the majority of the podcast discussing those things. So it's kind of like a bonus. So stay tuned. Hi, this is James Raines, and you're listening to Isolated But Not Alone, a podcast that seeks to bring mental health awareness to rural and isolated communities. I just wanted to take this time to let you know that this and other content produced by James Raines is not therapy and is not intended to be therapy or to replace therapy. Nothing in this podcast indicates or creates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek one in your area if you are experiencing any type of mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as specific life advice and it is simply for the purpose of education. All right, welcome back to Isolated But Not Alone. We were originally going to dive deep into the strategic theories, but instead I kind of got carried away describing two events that have happened within the last week or so that have caused a tremendous amount of stress both nationally and globally. One has gone viral on social media, and the other is obviously worldwide news. Now, if you have listened to any of my podcasts, you know that I am somebody who does not have social media. And I should preface that by saying things like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, because some would consider this podcast as social media. And it is. And because of that, I try to minimize my interaction with it while avoiding some of the previous strategies. But at the same time, it's very detached in some ways because I do my recording and then I just upload it and then I kind of try to stay away from it and let others inform me about the comments and things of that nature. And I have not had social media for multiple, multiple years, which was a choice actually during the height of my career, at least beginning part of my career, and then the height that came from that of being a published author. What was happening was I was spending an incredible amount of time promoting my book and arranging my book to be sold and arranging interviews and eventually, in a sense, building an empire. And I know that this is something that's actually quite coveted by some people is to begin building these large social media empires and followings in which they receive income and therefore supply their basically their working income with their social media empire and it came to a point in my life where social media was just horrendous to me personally and multiple different levels some i'll share some i won't one of the things i will share is that it created a tremendous amount of anxiety an anxiety that seemed to be constant an anxiety that was constantly brewing below the surface And that anxiety was multifactorial, meaning that it wasn't just anxiety about 
whether my business or my empire would be successful, per se, though there was some of that, it was often an anxiety of creating and having more. I love some of the wisdom books of the Bible, and one in particular that talks about the more you have, the more anxiety it creates. Just an excellent reminder that the more we accumulate, the more concern we have towards what we've accumulated. And that is both physical possessions as well as, in a sense, metaphorical possessions, which in this case is following, which then allows for monetary gain from those followers. And that created a ton of anxiety with constant thoughts of, how can I keep these followers? How can I gain these followers? And what I found was I was selling myself out in order to appease and to grow followers, which would then benefit me financially. And that went against my values as a person. And I know there were some points where I was doing more than my PR person, whose job was to do those things for me. And that was just not healthy. And that created a lot of anxiety of, I have these values, and I'm knowingly and willingly doing something that goes against them. And that created that tension, which then created that anxiety. Another thing that was happening was I was constantly, because of that anxiety, constantly involved in maintaining and building that empire to the loss of my family and to the loss of myself. I was not doing anything. In fact, I was losing myself into what others expected me to be. And as I watch social media people, not that I participate in social media now, and I haven't, like I said, for many years, but occasionally... I interact with people who are kind of like social media moguls. And I can see that being something that they talk about or that they share as this kind of constant anxiety. It's almost like a high-stress career that's based off what other people think about you in your life. That can be a very slippery slope. So with that being said, I was recently shown a social media post about an evangelical minister from the South, Tennessee, I believe, and his sermon on witches. And a little bit about my background that I may or may not have discussed, that I had grown up in a sexually, physically, emotionally, mentally abusive home where there was rampant drugs and alcohol and a place that at times could be safe and at other times was not safe at all. And I moved from being a little child where I was experiencing that to where I got to a little bit older where there was then that concern that I can get the family in trouble because there was a lot of secret keeping in my family. I can count on maybe one hand the amount of time that a guest was allowed to come into my home. Even lesser, maybe one or two times can I remember my guest, like a friend of mine being able to come to the house. Because it was a time of secret keeping. And it was a time where I had gotten old enough to where I could start sharing some of these traumatic events. And so there had to be a lid placed on me in some ways. And that was when it moved from more abusive interactions to neglecting interactions. Meaning that the abuse in some ways stopped or at least was minimized. But so was any of the attention. Meaning that as long as I kept quiet and kept to myself, I could be allowed to kind of move through life without being abused. And so that's what I did. So then it started this period of neglecting, right? So 
began with maybe too much interaction in a harmful, negative way to where there was little to no interaction, no connection. And I don't necessarily know if my perception of the matter is true. Both my parents are deceased, and I can't ask them, you know, hey, what was really going on here? And when my mom was still living, when I would ask her these more intense questions, there was a lot of denying and a lot of minimization. And so I say all that to say this, is that groomed me, it prepared me to get sucked in to more fanatical, legalistic, religious belief systems that in my case kind of preyed on individuals like myself, that were looking for something, that were looking to be included in a community, to be accepted, to have some kind of standard some kind of rules, because I really didn't have a lot from that time all the way until the time I went off to college. And so because I kind of got involved in these more legalistic and fanatic religious type groups, and when I say that, it's not the extreme of what we're seeing now. It's just simply the extreme of churches where there was a lot of spiritual abuse, a lot of legalism, meaning that you had to be a certain way to fit in but it was deeper than that. Not only did you have to be a certain way to fit into the community, but you had to be a certain way to be loved by God. And as long as you fit in, you were good and God loved you. But if you were different, or if you did things differently, or you had different beliefs, then you were in opposition to God. So it was more personal than just an interaction with a community. It was your very essence of who you were and your connection with a higher power. And so early on, I got sucked into kind of a legalistic, what they would call fundamental seminary, Bible college type place. And I didn't know any better, right? All I knew is that for the first time, somebody was at least willing to try to accept me. Now, with that acceptance came all kinds of stipulations because I did not fit the mold of what was considered good. But at least they were willing to try. And so there was this partial buy-in, which eventually became completely bought in, because in these types of places, somebody like myself with the history that I had was highly at risk to buy into some of the lies and deceptions that these folks not only believed, but recreated or attempted to recreate in others. And as I was young and a young mind, freshly out of high school, just turning 19, kind of got involved with this place and, you know, it was taken to a whole new level. It was kind of like, don't trust yourself. I remember that was one of the really big things that this school taught. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your gut. But on the flip side of that, the hidden message was, trust me, right? Don't trust yourself, but trust me. And this me was multiple different people, but in the end, it was the administration. Trust us. We know what's best for you. We know what's right and wrong. We know what you should or should not be doing. Whatever your gut's telling you, whatever your heart and your mind are telling you, that's a lie. That's deceitful. But what we tell you is truth and it's good and it should be followed without question. And then that was reinforced. If you did not obey, you were punished. If you obeyed, you were rewarded with connection and community. It was a very dangerous place. And so because of that, I have grown and matured out of that environment to realize there's deception there. There's lies there. 
there is a proponent of distrusting yourself and believing that lie under the guise that it's how you were meant to be because that's how you were created to be by your higher power. And my goal here is not to disparage anybody towards religion or to their spiritual beliefs. It's simply to say that I was an at-risk person that was taken advantage of and bought into. And there's some excellent um, commentators and podcasters like the Allender Center podcast where it talks a lot about being groomed and then you buy into it. There's this portion where you are partially submitting or getting involved in or connecting with a part of that, which kind of makes that abuse cycle complete. And so I say all that to say that that's who I was. That's where I was at. And so I'm highly sensitive and I own this and I try to be upfront about this, about rampant spiritual abuse in modern evangelical churches. And it's not to attack any one individual per se, or to try to disrupt people in their faith journeys or hinder their spirituality in any way. It's simply to point out where there is abuse within churches where individuals have utilized their power and exerted it over another individual inappropriately. And this is often done in the church very subtly. And I just gave an example of what I'm talking about when I said, when I went to this college, they taught you that yourself, your gut, your mind, your heart were all wrong and that you shouldn't listen to them. Now, here's the crux. Maybe they're right. But then the flip side of that was, is that you should listen to us, not to the higher power, not to God, not to the Bible, not to the religious beliefs, but us. And that's kind of where that disconnect began. So they would use scripture to say, well, here's where it says your heart is deceptive and wicked and evil above all things. Therefore, it can't be trusted. But we can be trusted. And see, as a young mind, you don't connect the next stage of that, which is, wait a minute, if all hearts are corruptible and corrupted and evil and wicked beyond, you know, then isn't your heart that way too? And so therefore, why should I trust what you're saying? So what they did was they used the Bible, they use people's spirituality as a tool to coerce, manipulate, and control them by causing people to doubt themselves and to rely upon them as a standard of truth to produce behaviors that they desired. And that's spiritual abuse, one definition of a spiritual abuse, at least. So I say all this, I go on this big old long tirade about it to describe the first event, and we are really going to run out of time here. I'll do my best to try to describe this, and maybe we'll push back strategic theories just a little bit. But there was this video. It went viral. I was shown it about a man that was preaching in a church down in the South about witches. Literally, that's witches. (laughs) Witches. You know, I mean, just hearing him in my head, instantly triggered and brought me back to that initial early experience because this particular pastor whose name is Greg Locke, I don't feel afraid to share that because it's gone viral, was speaking at the school that I went to. In fact, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I believe I even had lunch with him and his wife at the school. When I saw the videos and saw him dancing around on stage, the vile things that were coming from his mouth in the name of the Lord. I was triggered and instantly disgusted. 
because it was just another prime example of rampant spiritual abuse that's going on in the church. And unfortunately, it gives Christians a bad name because when they see that, it's easy to jump. And this is not right either to take the example of one and then equate it to all. But it is naturalistic, meaning that it's easy to jump to that for anyone, to jump to that bridge, to assume the attributes of one are similar to the attributes of all. But to feel that and be triggered in that, to see that, and to remember him doing some of the exact same things and dancing around like he does in the video, smashing his microphone on things. I can even remember him pointing his long bony finger into the audience and saying something to the effect of your back bowed like a banny rooster. I don't even know what that means. Maybe from your neck of the woods that you do, but I remember it as if it was yesterday. Pointing people out, threatening them, telling them he's going to send them off. <laughs> and it's like, where is that in any religious writings of Christianity? It's just not. It's not. Jesus came to show love and compassion to the disenfranchised, to women, to the poor, not threaten them and tell them he's going to send them off. And so this is something that's very potent right now is a lot of people are discussing this. And frankly, I think that people who claim to be believers, to be Christians, they need to acknowledge it for what it is, to not be afraid to call it out. And this is one example where I am using my influence to call out this pastor, Greg Locke, and to share that he is missing the mark of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ and to show love towards people groups that are not similar. In fact, I always think back to the people who are really the focus of Jesus's more harsh comments were the religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees, their legalism, their, oh, look at me while I pray in the streets and I give and, you know, woe is me, look at me, look at me. But they were empty on the inside. And they did a lot more harm than they ever did good. So that's the first thing I want to talk about quickly. And to know that, you know, if you are dealing with those kind of things in this moment where you're seeing this and you're really struggling, whether it be a struggle of faith or a struggle with your spirituality or just a struggle with memories that have been triggered of experiences where you yourself have experienced spiritual abuse, that there are people out there that understand. And there are people out there that are trained to, to help in these times. That's the first thing. The second thing is obviously the what's going on in the national news with uh, Russia and Ukraine. And it's a time of tremendous fear, a time of uncertainty. And these times, like other times where there is war and there's rumor of war and there's uncertainty, there's this idea that there's going to be tremendous loss of life and just kind of see people at their worst. There is comfort. There is healing. And if you are dealing with these things, again, there is help. There are people trained to kind of talk through these things. Because right now we are globally exhausted. We are globally traumatized. And now we're starting to see global behaviors that come out of that global traumatization. And I could spend a whole podcast talking about why I believe we as a globe, we as the human race, have been traumatized by COVID-19 and its effect on societies at large. 
And now we're starting to see some of the ramifications, not just individually, not just in our families, not just in our local cultures, but globally. And so it looks like we're completely out of time to talk about strategic theory, but we are going to get to it. We are going to talk about strategic theory, and it's going to take several podcast episodes because it is very intense. There is a lot of research behind it, and it's very structured. In fact, the next two theories that we're going to talk about, strategic and structural, are both that way. And that's going to kind of conclude our discussion on family therapy. And then we're going to kind of move into individual therapy and how personality is developed. Thanks for listening. And remember, with all the things going on in the world, with all the things going on, even locally, you may feel isolated, but you're not alone. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast enough to share it with friends and family and reach out with any questions you might have about mental health. And we will do our best in future shows to answer those questions. And remember, it might feel like you're isolated and maybe you are, but you're not alone.